0: Hello, I'm Aaron Lohr, and this is the Endocrine News Podcast. We all know a sedentary lifestyle isn't healthy for anyone, but just how strongly is physical activity related to lipid levels in childhood? That's what we'll be talking about today, and joining me is Dr. Andrew Egbaje, a physician and pediatric clinical epidemiologist at the University of Eastern Finland. He recently published a study in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism entitled Associations of Sedentary Time and Physical Activity from Childhood with Lipids a 13-year mediation and temporal study. Dr. Agbaje, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. So why might someone's lipid levels change in life, and why is it important to understand what drives those changes?
1: Naturally, as we grow from childhood to young adulthood, several metabolic changes occur due to aging. These changes cannot be altered. However, other factors contribute to the deterioration of metabolic profiles faster than what natural aging process does. It is important to separate the contribution of aging from the contribution of these extra risk factors that was in health conditions. So this approach helps us adequately address and set up interventions that are likely to work effectively since we cannot stop an aging process. So one dangerous risk factor that accelerates the worsening metabolic status is sedentariness from childhood.
0: So your study looks primarily at the age range of children to young adulthood, and I think you made a hinted as to why. But why did you want to focus on this group?
1: The primary and primary prevention of disease emphasise that intercepting the disease process need to begin quite early so childhood through young adulthood is a period where physiologic processes deviate into a pathologic process so by the age of 40 years a disease process is already set in a cast and it has been set in an autopilot mode and may not be reversed but only managed thus childhood and young adulthood appears to be a critical period for delaying pathologic process which will eventually occur no thanks to aging natural aging process so there are several observational or experimental studies already conducted in adults, but not at the same proportion in the young population because many adult researchers and clinicians believe that children and adolescents are healthy and that spending money and time conducting research amongst them is waste of time and resources. Mm. And that we should wait until they are young adults or adults and they develop diseases and they, they can come to us and we treat them. This mindset is not appropriate and it leads to a loss of a golden opportunity for disease prevention at a primordial level.
0: What did you hope to learn in this particular study?
1: I observed that the latest World Health Organization Physical Activity Guideline published in 2020 emphasized several major knowledge gaps that require urgent research in the young population. The World Organization specifically wrote that insufficient evidence To set a precise threshold or cutoff for the amount of sedentary time or recreational time as allowed them to recommend sedentariness and the proportion to which it should be reduced with a low certainty of evidence. So that means that even though they are putting up a recommendation, but the evidence supporting that recommendation is very low. And then they proposed that future research should look at light intensity physical activity and how it breaks up sedentariness because there is no evidence. Then they continued and said that the effect of physical activity of various intensity should be analyzed in relation to blood concentration of glucose, insulin and lipid using prospective cohort studies that use device-based measures in quote. So this was what they are thinking about the future. And considering this huge knowledge gap, I decided that I have understood that the guideline is limited. and so somebody needs to provide an answer to these questions so that the guideline can be more effective.
0: So an obvious important gap was identified. And your study is going to address that gap exactly. So why don't you tell us about your study? What did you uh, do?
1: So the availability of device-based physical activity measure was emphasized by the World Health Organization that is not using questionnaire-based measure of physical activity, but accurately assessing it and measuring it. So we have this measurement in a study called the Children of the 90s study also known to researchers as the Avon longitudinal study of Parent and children at the university of Bristol in England, in the UK. This study had repeated measure of physical activity measured with a device at the age of 11, at the age of 15 and at the age of 24, the same population. So my research is based on the strong collaboration between the university of Eastern Finland, the university of Exeter and university of Bristol. And in the trade of the United study, 15,000 mothers were recruited in 1990 when they were pregnant. And as soon as they delivered the babies, the babies were enrolled in the study. And these babies began to come to the clinic from the age of seven for the measurement of their body composition, for the measurement of different parameters. And this repeated measure continued from age nine, 10, 11, 13, 15, 17, and 24. So this cohort is very highly phenotyped. And provided for us repeated measure of lipid level, repeated measure of smoking status, repeated measure of insulin, glucose concentration, blood pressure. And interestingly, good standard measure of body composition, splitting fat mass from muscle mass using a dual energy X-ray absorptiometry assessment. They also provided for us inflammatory markers, socioeconomic status of the parent, uh, and then physical activity level, and family history of cardiovascular and cardiometabolic diseases. This cohort is a potential to answer the World Health Organization's research gap. And because of the strong collaboration we have, I was able to assess the data and then began to find answers to this question, so this is what I do.
0: I can see why that cohort would be such a good fit for this study, it seems perfect. Your study mentions sedentary time, light physical activity, and moderate to vigorous physical activity. How are each of these defined?
1: So movement behavior was assessed with accelerometer device, one on the waist for between four to seven days, and only in the day and not at night. The device recorded counts per minute according to the intensity of the movement, which was then categorized into sedentary time, light physical activity, and moderate to vigorous physical activity. We know that sedentary behavior is any waking behavior characterized by low energy expedition of about less than 1.5 metabolic equivalent while in sitting, reclining, or lying down posture. While light physical activities, any waking behavior with an energy expedition of greater than 1.6, about 1.6 to less than 3.0 metabolic equivalent of light physical activities. Examples are outdoor games, playing in the playground, running around, walking a dog, running around for parent, walking and biking to school, uh, strolls in the park, foresting, gardening, casual basketball and freebies. No, those are light physical activities that breaks our sitting time. Why moderate to vigorous physical activity requires more exertion. So it's any waking behavior for which our energy expenditure will be between 3.0 and above. So in moderate, we say 3.0 to 6.0 metabolic equivalent. And vigorous, we say above 6.0 metabolic equivalent. So that is of uh, energy expenditure. That is how we defined sedentary time, light physical activity, and moderate to vigorous physical activity.
0: Now that we know how your study was set up and what you were measuring and who you were measuring it with, what did you find?
1: During the 13-year follow-up from the age of 11 through 24 years, we observed that sedentary time increased from six hours per day in childhood to nine hours per day in young adulthood. Light physical activity, on the other hand, decreased from six hours per day in childhood to three hours per day in young adulthood. So let me repeat it so that we can understand. In childhood, we have six hours of sedentary time and six hours of light physical activity. So it cancels out. By young adult, by the age of 24, we now have nine hours of sedentary time and only three hours of light physical activity. That is where problem starts from. Wow! So you see, that balance has been altered. And interestingly, moderate to vigorous physical activity more or less stays about the same between the range of 50 to 55 minutes per day on average. So the culprit is not moderate to vigorous physical activity, but the time lost in light physical activity. And that's what sedentary time is gaining. At the same time, because it's a follow-up study with repeated measure, during growth from mid-adolescence to young adulthood, the average increase in cholesterol level was about 0.7 millimoles per liter, which is about 27 milligram per year. But we observe that accumulating that volume of sedentary time from childhood to young adulthood contributed nearly 70% of the average increase in total cholesterol during growth from childhood to young adulthood. That is alarming. For every 0.7 millimole increase during the 13-year period of follow-up, sedentary time contributed 0.5 millimoles out of the 0.7 millimoles, which is like 19 milligram per DL out of 27 milligram per DL on average in the increase in total cholesterol. While light physical activity, on the other hand, even though it decreased from six hours per day to three hours per day, cumulatively, it was still sufficient to reverse the problem that sedentariness had caused. In that sense, we observed that The cumulative light physical activity accumulated during this growth period was associated with a decrease in total cholesterol level to the point of 21 milligram per DL, which is like minus 0.53 millimoles per liter, which effectively antagonized the increase in sedentary time. But moderate to vigorous physical activity, which we have emphasized every time only had Minimal effect on total cholesterol, which is understandable. It only reduced cholesterol by 0.05 millimoles per liter, which is by 2 milligrams per day. So we can compare this and contrast it with the effect of light physical activity. That reduces cholesterol level by 21 milligram per day, which is 0.53 millimoles per liter. Why moderate to vigorous physical activity of about 15 minutes per day? only reduce cholesterol level by two milligram per year that is 10 times lower than light physical activity that is a new information in addition to that there was a problem with moderate to vigorous physical activity we observe our natural body fat suppress that interaction between moderate to vigorous physical activity and cholesterol level such that just by having natural body fat in our body system which is normal Moderate to vigorous physical activities effect was reduced by half. Sure. So rather than lowering cholesterol level by two milligram per DL, we will eventually get only minus one milligram per DL. Meanwhile, for light intensity physical activity, the reduction from body fat was just about 6%. So this was what we found that were quite remarkable.
0: Remarkable indeed. I know what surprised me, but anything about your findings surprise you?
1: It is surprising to us that the increase in sedentary time from childhood to young adulthood contributed 70% to the average increase in cholesterol. It is alarming because we have recently published that increased cholesterol level from childhood increases the risk of premature heart damage by 20% in the mid-20s. We have also published that cholesterol level increase was associated with worsening subclinical atherosclerosis in the mid-20s. And these are the highest cause of death in the world, cardiovascular diseases. Therefore, sedentariness from childhood is a major preventable cause of increased cholesterol level in the young population, which may lead to premature heart attacks or stroke. Another surprise is that moderate to vigorous physical activity was not as effective as we have publicized it to be. in countering the adverse effect of sedentary time on cholesterol level, even though moderate to vigorous physical activity has some benefits, its little benefit was dampened by natural body fat. Given that sedentary time increased from six hours per day to nine hours per day, engaging in moderate to vigorous physical activity of only 60 minutes per day on average is grossly insufficient. So we need a paradigm shift. To our surprise, light physical activity was decreased at the expense of an increase in sedentary time, but its reduction from six hours per day to three hours per day was still sufficient, minimally effective to antagonize the effect of sedentariness on increasing cholesterol level.
0: This sort of begs the question, how might your findings influence care for children and young adults?
1: Since the World Health Organization specifically requested research, on the threshold of sedentary behavior that causes health damage, our studies have now provided that evidence that sedentary time above six hours per day is an extremely dangerous level of sedentary time to accumulate because of its impact on cholesterol level. Moreover, engaging in at least three hours per day of light physical activity must, in capital letter, be included in future clinical guidelines because they are not existing up to now. As it is more effective in lowering cholesterol level than moderate to vigorous physical activity of 60 minutes per day, the World Health Organization has reported that 80% of adolescents across the globe do not meet the 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity threshold per day. Our data suggests that on a population level, it is not likely that this goal will be achieved. What is realistic is 50 minutes, not 60. 50 minutes, 50 of moderate to vigorous physical activity per day the arbitrary 60 minutes six zero minutes one hour per day to be toned down from future guidelines because it is unnecessarily increasing mental stress of parents and children and adolescents who feel inadequate that they cannot achieve it they really can't achieve it because we are not designed to be running like athlete it is a choice to be an athlete we are designed to walk. <laughs> mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. lastly it is sad that Universal pediatric lipid screening, cholesterol screening in the young population is still an ongoing debate. Several countries' health guidelines recommends that we need to check cholesterol level about the age of 40 years to prevent heart attacks and stroke. But we have seen from our own study that cholesterol level was already damaging the heart two decades before 40 years of age. And if we are to wait until 40 years of age, we cannot reverse anymore because we also simulated a model where we tested when is the appropriate time to actually address the problem of cholesterol level. When we simulated a reverser, a treatment modality at the age of 24, we couldn't reverse cholesterol level. But when we moved it downward to the age of 17, we were able to completely eradicate the effect of cholesterol level on subclinical atherosclerosis, suggesting that that is a critical window for us to intervene in reducing the scourge of heart attacks and cardiovascular disease in later life. For this reason, I decided to recommend an adolescent cholesterol passport. The idea of a cholesterol passport could work like an immunization card, which we are familiar with, or a vaccination card, such that all teenagers from about the age of 15 to 17 years will be invited to primary health care center to check their cholesterol level. If the values are normal, they will repeat the test after every 10 years. If the cholesterol level are elevated, such adolescents may be invited back to the clinic after six months to repeat that check. And if the values are elevated consistently, then they can be referred to the doctors at the age of 15 to 17 for specific health advice. By this, we need not wait until 40 years when a disease process has begun because Between the age of 15 to 17 years, we're already seeing a deviation from a physiologic process to a pathologic process. So the cholesterol passport will now become a document that only shows where your value of cholesterol level is documented. But there is also another population, the population that inherits high cholesterol level from their parents. So we call that condition familiar hypercholesterolemia. Those children, as soon as they are born, before the age of two years, their cholesterol level has to be checked. Why? Because there is evidence that suggests that they could have premature heart attacks even before the age of 20. So light physical activity of at least three hours per day should be recommended for all children, adolescents, and young adults as the optimal therapy for combating increased cholesterol level caused by being sedentary. We should acknowledge the role of diet as well in raising cholesterol level. But it appears that sedentariness predisposes us to the kind of diet that we choose. Lastly, I will quote Martin Luther King Jr. in this regard. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. By all means, keep moving.
0: Love it. absolutely love it. This was absolutely fascinating. And I am sorry that we're almost out of time here because I could listen to this for a lot longer. But Dr. Abaje, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing your work with us. Thank you very much. All right. And that's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We've covered a lot on the podcast over the years, and I'm always on the lookout for fresh, exciting topics. If there's something you'd like to hear about, let me know by emailing me at podcast at org. Several of our episodes have come from suggestions from listeners just like you. We'll be back soon with another fascinating dive into the world of endocrinology. Until then, thanks for listening. Endocrine News Podcasts are a free service of the Endocrine Society. To learn more or to become a member, visit the Society's website at www.endocrine.org.